you know by now that the dogs in my house wear Paco collars, and the newest addition is Stig's tan leather collar with brass fittings and turquoise stones. It seriously looks like the bay we bought our house on, and his smooth coat and long neck show it off perfectly. We picked it out in person at Paco's booth, and the staff helped us to be sure we got the exact fit and style that was right for him. I catch myself mesmerized by this collar when I walk him. How crazy is that? So get over to PacoCollars.com and grab a collar you'll be obsessed with, and don't forget to use the promo code COGDOG for free shipping. We've got a puppy. Puppy Elementary is my puppy training subscription service, and it's all about our new puppy, Watson. It's just $45 for six months of Watson's development and education, and you'll have indefinite access to the materials, so sign up anytime. Just go to www.thecognitivecanine.com and click the Puppy Elementary tab at the top of the page to register. Each week, you'll have access to multiple training videos and blogs, as well as constant access to the Puppy Elementary Facebook group, where you can talk about your progress with other students. Watson won't stay little for long, so join now. Hey there, dog people of the internet. It's me, Sarah Strumming of The Cognitive Canine, and this is called Dog Radio, a podcast about all things dog sports and dog training. Join me as I explore my cases and considerations regarding the behavior of the dogs we live and play with. I hope you enjoy it. All right, dog people of the internet, this is a case study. (laughs) You guys have been asking me for them and understand that the reason my podcast cannot always be case studies has to do a little bit to do with how much work they are to pull together, but um, a lot to do with the fact that I need to wrap a client before I can cover the case. And not all of my clients are interested in being on the podcast, which I think is understandable. So, Today is going to be part one of Paige the Golden Retriever, and I think you're going to find Paige to be um, an interesting dog, and she probably is going to have a whole lot of the same agility woes that a lot of people have, so hopefully we can all get um, a lot out of her case. So the first thing that we always want to talk about is what are the presenting issues? So... Paige had a broken, had basically all three of her contacts were broken. So she had a broken dog walk, meaning she would not stop the way that she had been trained. Um, a broken teeter, again, meaning there would be fly-offs and a broken A-frame. So the probably the um, least reliable as far as getting a two-on-two-off was the A-frame, but she had not done a successful two-on-two-off and stay and wait to be released in a competition for some time when she kind of showed up to work with me. Her table also had issues. Um, She would bounce the table, and a whole lot of her stuff was just what we call kind of high arousal behaviors on course. And meaning she would get frustrated and bark. Um, She wasn't really a biter, but she could get barky and just kind of turn to her handler, Deborah, and you know, do what I call cuss her out. (laughs) So really bark at her. Um, If things were going quite her way, she'd, like I said, she'd bounce that table. She'd fly off the A-frame. She 
would not stop and wait on the dog walk um, or the teeter. And her start line was totally gone as well. She also had about a seven-year reinforcement history of these things because Paige is not a young dog. She's a seven-year-old dog when we started working together. And so a long history of this stuff. And the handler goals were, you know, maybe to finish an MX title, which does require repairing the contacts on the table. The start line we decided together was not a priority. She had learned how to run the dog without one. And um, her biggest thing was she just wanted to return Paige to the standard ring safely. She didn't want her to hurt herself jumping off an A-frame or anything else like that. And that was really important to her. So we discussed what to do with all three contacts in in the name of safety, how to fix that table, etc. And we're going to get into those details in episode two. So in episode two, I'm going to cover our training plans for the contacts um, and also some of our training plans surrounding pages, just kind of general arousal stuff, maybe frustration stuff in the ring. And this episode, we're going to talk about Paige's four steps to behavioral wellness. So Paige was actually being well cared for when I showed up. So Paige was eating raw, um, doing regular puzzle toys, regular training, lots of off-leash exercise available on her handler's acreage. And so we didn't need to alter very much there. But I will say that Deborah embraced the concept of decompression much, much more than she had. So um, through the process of us working together, she became someone who would, you know, skip training and take the dogs to the woods, especially if she was feeling like they maybe weren't going to get anything out of training that day. Um, And we're talking about a person who's very dedicated to training in general. She would train um, she trained often with her dogs. Really, I don't have a student that is that dedicated that often. I mean, she'd get up when it was still dark, train her dogs before work, and then come home and train them again um, in the evening. And Paige is not her only dog. She was bringing up a puppy while we were working together. So she had plenty to do. And like I said, she really, really embraced that decompression piece. So taking Paige off the property on those long line walks or off leash walks in open space um, was something that she increased a lot as we worked together. So our training projects um, looked like this. We needed to work out a start button behavior or system. So some kind of consent system for Deborah and Paige. We also worked really, really hard on a leash on slash off ring entrance behavior. Their ring entrance behavior was pretty broken when I looked at it. Um, You know, lots of physical manipulation on kind of both ends. Deborah manipulating Paige, Paige manipulating Deborah, not moving to the line as a connected team. We needed to train her a brand new dog walk behavior. Um, We decided that the history of reinforcement for the broken two on two off was just too, just too great, had just been going on for far too long to repair it. So we decided to teach her a brand new dog walk behavior. And we taught her a four on down in the contact. So we taught her to run all the way to the end of the board and then lie down in a sphinx down position Uh, at the end of the contact. So we'll talk about 
um, that choice, and we'll talk about why in episode two. Um, I thought that was better than a two-on-two-off or maybe a running. We did discuss the possibility of training Paige uh, to do a running dog walk instead, which is kind of what she had been doing. It was just more of a flying leap that was not hitting the yellow. (laughs) Um, So would Paige have enjoyed running it? Sure. But I think that, you know, there's there's this huge misconception that running contacts, um, it's a misconception amongst kind of newer agility people more so than your um, experienced competitors. So it's not a misconception that Deborah had um, that the running is maybe easier to train or a short training process. And I just completely disagree. I think that um, a two-on-two-off is a relatively simple behavior, whereas a running has a lot more moving parts. And with a seven-year-old dog, I'm not super interested in um, just retraining everything. Having said all of that, we did actually decide to teach her a running A-frame. She had been running it and hitting the contact fairly frequently, and that's why we decided to teach her a running A-frame rather than the running dog walk. If you've got a place where you can begin with success, so in the case of the A-frame, Paige was hitting the yellow some of the time as she ran down the down ramp, Um, if you've got a place of semi-success, that's easier to start with and build on that and, um, fine-tune those approximations versus the dog walk didn't have a history of success without that two-on-two-off. She needed to do the stopped contact in order to, um, hit the yellow. So we attempted to teach a running A-frame with a target method, and um, we did teach a nice stopped dog walk with a down in the yellow behavior. And then the teeter, we actually just adjusted the reinforcement strategy for the teeter. So I wanted Paige to actually continue to do a moving teeter, but I wanted her to prioritize having the board hit the ground rather than, again, trying to repair that two-on-two-off that had been um, you know, the broken behavior had been reinforced for so long. We just changed the reinforcement strategy for the teeter, and that was actually really successful. We did also retrain Paige's table behavior. Um, we taught her an automatic down and stay on the table, and we also changed the reinforcement strategy surrounding the table. We made the table what I like to call a reinforcement zone or a hot zone. So, Essentially, we taught her that the table was the place to be on course, and we were very successful with that. Sometimes too successful, so we'll we'll go into more detail on that for the next episode. Um, Overall, we needed to look at um, the reinforcement strategies at play. So, Paige, like most dogs, pretty much had your standard, she would bite a tug and she would eat food. Um behaviors. She was conditioned to a clicker, but um, Deborah's verbal markers had been kind of sloppy and used interchangeably a lot of the time for, you know, get it could mean bite a toy or it could mean eat food off the ground, that kind of thing, which is so normal, so common. And most dogs, you guys, you're going to get away with that completely. Deborah and I talked a lot about the fact that she's no slouch. She's no stranger to dog training. She's been training a very long time. She'd had a variety of breeds. And Paige just threw her some curveballs. Paige needed her 
to be better than she already knew how to be. And that is just the story of my clients' lives. They always report, um, you know, I thought I was doing pretty good and then I got this dog. <laughs> and um, I always say, just never tell the universe that you think you've got something. Because <laughs> if, you, if you tell the universe that you think you know how to do something, the first thing she will do is prove you wrong. So that's definitely what happened here. So we added a lot of reinforcement strategies. Um, we taught Paige to run to a dish on cue to eat food. We introduced um, her to a manners minder or what I like to call food robot. And we also introduced some new toy and food markers. And then we really increased Paige's, what I like to call micro skills. So those micro skills might be known as foundation skills to some people, but I do think that they're often overlooked. So that's why I like to call them the micro skills that build up um, and create these bigger skills that we want to be seeing. So we built up her micro skills like targeting. If we can teach the dog to hit anything with their nose or with their feet, we can teach them a lot of behaviors. I mean, the the possibilities really are endless if the dog is a very skilled targeter. So we increased her targeting skills. We also worked really hard on her cue discrimination skills. We found out that um, Paige had not been taught well to listen to different verbal cues and respond appropriately. So we worked really hard on her cue discrimination because we found out that really she was just watching uh, watching Deborah for the information about what to do next and guessing about what was the right thing to do next rather than truly listening to what she was being told. And that's about her history. That's not... Now, that's not about her being weird or strange, and I think most dogs actually do this. It's just that we usually get away with it. It usually works out fine. And in the case of Paige and Deborah, it wasn't working out fine. So we needed to make some changes. And great side effect is that also helped her um, do better in obedience. She competes in CDSP obedience and... Last I heard about, they were, you know, pursuing that utility dog title. Um, and the cue discrimination stuff is really, really important, especially when you get up into those higher levels of obedience. So, like I said, Deborah was already doing a good job. She uh, was training a lot. She was providing her for her dogs very, very well. Paige had access to everything that she needed. And yet things were still not coming together. So we needed to get down into the nitty gritty of the training. And so that's what this series is going to be about is real nitty gritty training stuff. We're going to talk about um, just how important those micro skills of reinforcement strategies, targeting and cue discrimination are, how we can fix them, how we made the decision um, to not work on that start line stay, but do work on things like a weight on the table and things like that. So some of my dis decision making process, the actual training process, um, and a little bit more is to come next week. So stay tuned. Thanks for listening to Cog Dog Radio. If you have questions or suggestions, shoot them over to cogdogradio at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to like the Cogdog Radio Facebook page, and until next time, happy training!